0: A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Haley, hello. How are you? <laughs> hello. Top of the morning to you. <laughs> Top of the morning to you. It's been a great week, right? Yeah. And I've got high standards for my weeks. I expect a lot out of the time that I get, and this week was pretty good. And I So I'm,
2: reviewing the week has a real different meaning for you then.
1: Yeah, it does. <laughs> well, this week especially was great. I don't normally have great weeks because of my standards. Yes. But anyway, this week, something so fun happened yesterday. You don't know about it. So this is a big surprise. I don't know how fun it will be to you, but for me... Pretty awesome. You can live vicariously through me. Anyway, we're playing on the yard, the kids and I. Okay. And we're going to play football, all right? So that means we don't do any, you Are know, you the tackle throwing, thing. Yes.
2: is it soccer? No, it's
1: football. Okay. <laughs> With actual, real American football. So anyway, I'm just going to be a quarterback, and somebody runs out for a pass, and the other one tries to, sure. you know, be the defensive player. And so that's all it is. Really straightforward. Not much of a game. You get four chances to get to the end zone. You know, okay. Kind of fun. Anyway. They start doing that. I'm taking turns being, you know, I'm just the quarterback for this one, the quarterback for that one. And as we're going, my daughter, Hannah, can't get open because she's absolutely just, when it comes to this and running routes, she's dumb as a box of rocks.
2: Oh, no. She has zero.
1: (laughs) Hannah's not listening. And if she is, Hannah's just a joke. Daddy's only kidding. (laughs) <laughs> no, she knows she's dumb as a box of rocks because I yelled about it as oh we were playing. God. Anyway, she's out there trying to get open and she can't. And Andrew is covering her. Yeah, you know Andrew is you know very athletic. He's, he's
2: competitive. Yeah yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, he's all over that. And he's he's back maybe 15 feet or so, and Hannah is just walking basically back and forth across the driveway Hannah. or the the yard. So anyway, I act like I'm going to throw it to her, right? Yeah. And I tuck the ball and I start running. I haven't run. For ages, I have been going to the gym and I do a lot of walking, but I don't do a ton of running.
2: But this is an exciting
1: thing. Guess who has rocket speed now? <laughs> I was like a superhero. <laughs> I took off and I couldn't believe how fast I was moving. I don't think I touched the ground.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: Andrew, I heard him say, oh my gosh, as I went past. <laughs> it was like a flash. <laughs> and then when I got to the end zone, I could not believe how fast I had covered that ground. Yeah. I could not believe that I was not having a heart attack, that I wasn't <laughs> right. curled up on I the ground. I
2: you are going to have, yeah. No, like I did it. You pulled a muscle.
1: No, I did it a couple of times and I outran them every time. I am almost 50 years old and I'm outrunning them without hardly any extreme physical pain. That's it was pretty cool. Amazing. Andrew called it my Rocky moment. <laughs> you no, know, I, I did my training <laughs> and now awesome. I realize the, the yeah. extent of my superpowers. So, I don't know if it was just a fluke. Now you have to be the Flash for Halloween. I know. I'm going to live off of that power for a little while. (laughs) That moment was pretty awesome. Anyway, with that in mind, let's head into what we're talking about on the show today. We've got all kinds of stuff. We're going to talk about... Uh, the history of white trim, and it sounds boring, but it's gonna be fun—really fun. We're talking about drill bits, which also that sounds,
2: sounds riveting. Terribly... Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna also be fun, and we'll be interviewing Hannah Berry from Lions and Rabbits, a nonprofit art center. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. But right now, we want to highlight in the little bit that we've got. We want to highlight our Instagram contest, which is gonna wrap up October four. Yeah,
2: i have uh, running out of time here to enter this contest. It's a random drawing, but Essentially, it's an Instagram contest. So, we're asking you to follow us on Instagram, uh, Repcolite Paints at Instagram. Then, you're going to post a photo. And this is where I think people get hung up because posting a photo of your project makes it sound like it has to be this grand before and after, especially on Instagram. People right. get carried away. Right. It doesn't have to be that, it could be a very small project. We're just asking you to share something with us. We like to see the life of our paints. You know, once they leave the store, right. what happened to these children? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so all they have to do is post a picture. It can actually even be a picture in the store. Yes, technically. So you
2: could post while you're waiting for the paint to shake.
1: Just post a picture to your timeline, your mm-hmm. your Instagram page, and then you need to tag it. Yes,
2: with the store's hashtag.
1: And we've got that information at all of the stores. You can go get a flyer that gives you all that store's hashtag. Or you can just go to repcolite.com and right on the homepage... The main banner there, click that, and it's got a list of those hashtags. It sounds complicated when you see what I'm talking about. It's, it's super really straightforward. Yep, we've and also
2: got it posted on our Instagram page. You can right. find all this information.
1: All of it's out there, and it is a great contest. There are not, you know, to be honest, there are not a lot of entries in it.
2: No, and, and you can win a solo show. Yes, so, so you've got
1: a great chance to win. You've got now until October 4 to win a solo stove, which is about a almost $350-ish yeah. mm-hmm. bonfire, bonfire pit, portable bonfire pit. We've got info on the RepcoLite website about the solo stove. It's really worth it. Heading yes, into fall. it's smokeless. Great, great prize. A great opportunity because, like I said, not a lot of entries. Every single post that you make with the right tags Counts. will enter you. And yeah, you could really post multiple times and... Put yourself in a really nice position to win this thing on October 4. Check it out at repcolite.com. get entered. All right, we're going to take a break and when we come back we're going to be on the phone with Hannah Berry from Lions and Rabbits talking about all kinds of art that's happening in Grand Rapids. That's just ahead, stick around.
0: Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Haley, not too long ago,
1: I think in the spring.
2: Yeah, I think is it that was technically late a long spring. time ago now? It
1: feels like it. It does, now that I think about it.
2: I mean, I we're know. heading into.
1: It, yeah. As I get older, it's time is away. really hard to, to handle <laughs> and to map out. Some things seem fast, other things seem slow. And then I forget half of what. Happens in between. There's no time. I know. Anyway, you basically worked on a project with Lions and Rabbits, an art, what exactly? They're a nonprofit art
2: center, I would say. Yeah. They're a gallery, but they do a lot of, you know, event rentals at their space. So you can have your wedding there and things like that. And that's really their for profit part of their business. But the nonprofit part, Is working with businesses. And really, I think the biggest part in my mind that they do is all the murals around town. I mean, they've been a part of so many mural projects in Grand Rapids. And if you drive through the Creston neighborhood, it's very apparent because. Almost every business, I feel like, in this neighborhood has some sort of mural on it.
1: And, and it not, looks so cool. They're not putting them on. No. They're working with the artists Right. To they're get working them with
2: the artists. And we've actually got Hannah Barry on the phone with us. She's the founder and director of Lions and Rabbits. And we'll just let her run with it. So, Hannah, thanks for being here with us.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me.
2: It's been a long time coming. I found out about you guys back in the spring on Instagram and I thought that the work you were doing was awesome and we've been, you know, communicating back and forth for a while now and I've been really looking forward to this one. But why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what Lions and Rabbits does?
3: yeah thank you so lions and rabbits center for the arts has um experienced a lot of change we're on our fifth year but our only our first year as a nonprofit. so we started as a llc and we're just doing events and workshops within the gallery very very heavy focus on art yeah and then we started to see the need for a little bit more um work within the public art scene and Using our education background, we wanted to make sure that we were creating equitable experiences for people in Grand Rapids. So we merged our for-profit into only the event side. And then our nonprofit now is the mission is to ignite social and economic change through art, education and public placemaking within the community. So that's what our nonprofit does is we put up public art and we help artists, you know, with some fine tuning of their artist resumes and things that they need to be able to be successful.
2: Yeah, very cool services. And you
3: guys are responsible for a large number of the murals around town, right? Yeah, we partner with a lot of people. Downtown Grand Rapids, Inc. has been a major partner throughout our years as we have figured out what we were doing. Um, So the downtown is littered with art everywhere. And within (laughs) Creston, we've been doing a lot of impact here, too. So we are trying to, you know, help local artists be able to put art up in their neighborhoods so that they have the sense of place that they should have, too. So what does that
1: process look like? I mean, how do you figure out where you're going with the next mural? How do you connect with the the artists themselves and pull all of this together?
3: Yeah, it's all over the place. We do lots of different things. Sometimes it's a commissioned piece. Other times it's us going to businesses and understanding that they might not have the financial capital to put up the public art but might want it. We like to make sure that artists are able to put up art in their own neighborhood. So we host an open call, and that call is – super easy for people to apply for. We just ask for their name and a couple pieces of the art that they've made. Um, And then we go through all of those applications one by one and pick artists that are going to work on projects. We have different projects all the time. So sometimes the scale of the project um, is deciphered by the skill of the artist. Sometimes the skill of the artist is deciphered by the size of the project that we give them as well.
2: That makes sense. And how do you pair them with businesses? Because I feel like some businesses might seek out murals and others might not even think of that.
3: Yeah, it's it's definitely a process. We uh, have learned throughout the time that um, artists can communicate with businesses, but sometimes communication looks different for artists than it mm-hmm. does with other businesses. So we project manage the artists and we work with the businesses the whole time so that there's that um, respected relationship between both parties. I know sometimes it's hard for a business to, Put up a piece of art and trust an artist that they've never met before but well and it's a new because, process for them too it's correct kind of a, a yeah one and done. <laughs> yeah it's a new process for them it's a different form of painting it's a more expensive form of painting yeah. um sometimes they might think that they're getting a mural of fruit that is in one style and then it comes back in a completely different style and they don't want to hurt the artist's feelings but at the same time like that's not what they wanted and we just didn't get it clearly communicated so we've really dialed in our process we have um, several different ways that we go about making sure that both parties are fully respected and honored throughout the whole process and it's become quite a a great opportunity for businesses to come in and say hey i don't know how to support the arts But I know that you can, so kind of like take the wheel. And as we continue to do this, we're starting to see more and more companies want different things. So one company might want uh, vinyl installation and the other company might want an outdoor mural that then becomes an entire inside of their restaurants painted too. So there's just really great opportunity for businesses to collaborate. So you're kind of like the facilitator then.
2: And I love that you guys are all about educating artists and kind of honing in the business side of what they do. Because speaking from experience, that's not necessarily something that you learn a whole lot about in art school, even though it would make the most sense, right? How would you actually practice this outside of school when you're dealing with, you know, laws and businesses and finance? That's a lot of information that maybe people don't have entering the arts. So it's a really cool yeah, I mission.
3: Think, yeah, I mean, from both sides, I don't think... The government knows how to work with artists. I don't think business know how to work with artists. I don't think artists most of the time know how to work with businesses. But yeah. when you think about arts like and economics, I always say... Well, what construction worker that went to college for construction knows how to form an LLC? Right. So why <laughs> why is an artist supposed to know how to form an LLC? That's not that professional development course wasn't something that ten years ago artists really needed. But I think now, well I don't think I know now, colleges are starting to pick up on that and they're starting to see there is a huge need for collaboration within yeah. businesses and artists and getting artists at the forefront of that. But once again, we're not a college. We're here for right. everybody. Right. So it's a great opportunity for us to be able to hold institutions accountable for their collaboration with local artists. And, you know, we can give feedback on the colleges, on certain colleges. Your your students are really great at this, but they might need a little bit more help in this. And I think, you know, that's the synergy that the arts need in Grand Rapids, which then drives the economy of the arts in Grand Rapids, too.
2: Well, and you guys collaborate in terms of Art Prize, don't you?
3: Yep, yeah. So Art Prize is, was a big sponsor of ours this year. Uh, well, Technically, it's not lions and rabbits. Technically, I, Hannah Berry, put up um, a curatorial grant, and I received that curatorial grant. So what I did is I used it to work with my staff to make sure that we were doing the projects in Creston that we really wanted to do. Creston is the neighborhood that we reside in, and our street has a 20000 median income. So we really, really focus on working with the people that live, work, and play over here. Um, and honoring them and art prize you know they joined us on that this year so this year we have a board game on the sidewalk um, partnering with other people like disability advocates and disart to make sure that that, was something that the city wants to see move forward, but it's a project in which people can play like they're the human pawn in the game. And then there's also an Instagram version on how you can play. And that just gives you points into a raffle as you play, but it also brings economic development and, you know, a little bit more um, understanding to what people in Crescent like to do, whether it's going into a park and watching a sunset or going to one of the local restaurants and going and getting happy yeah. hour it's just more about like bringing people into creston to see who's doing really cool stuff over here
1: and isn't that that game that is how yeah. haley you and uh hannah connected right working right. on because trying to supply needed the something right Something
2: kind of specific and really the opposite of <laughs> what we normally try to offer people you guys needed kind of a more temporary paint for this because you're painting the sidewalks and so it was a really fun challenge to do the opposite of what we normally do and try to figure out something that's going to last the least amount of time.
3: Yeah it's super interesting you can tell like the with the certain colors how different it is but it, it like yeah it, it's been a great experience I think whenever I mean I've painted the ground now several times and mm-hmm. I've had a time where I thought how is this ground so porous, but I've also never painted on concrete. I've always been painting on asphalt. So it's just, you know, like the learning experiences of all of the things and now the education that not only our organization has, but the city of Grand Rapids has. Any I mean our I mean, prize, other confluence, which is another event group, there's people that want to be able to work in these things. There's just nobody doing them. So to be able to have the funding and to be able to have people and partnerships that want to see these things move forward is like the only way <laughs> our cool city is going to keep getting cooler you know so it's, it's we're thankful it. for the opportunity to have so many collaborative partners on these projects because we wouldn't be able to do them without them. i mean Absolutely. it's a mile long loop it's 0.9 almost a mile yeah, long huge. loop of painted sidewalk squares so there's 534 sidewalk squares painted and it was something that you can't find anything on the internet on how to do. So yeah, hopefully exactly. the world starts Very to see <laughs> the difference, you know, like it's, right. just, it's something new and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But the temporary nature just shows that you can pilot programs and be socially innovative.
2: Absolutely. Well, I'll give you a chance to plug your event for tonight cause you guys are celebrating a five year anniversary.
3: We are. So our for-profit is going to be five years deep, October 16, and we wanted to celebrate ringing um art prize this year. So tonight, well, actually all day, from 12 o'clock to 11 p.m., we're having open hours where people can come check out the gallery, come get drinks, all of the proceeds from the event go back to Lions and Rabbit Center for the Arts and our public art program at tonight, we'll be painting a food truck um, oh, and Street fun. Chef Shaw's food truck. And that's kind of like a takeover of a couple artists that we've been working with. Really excited about that because Street Chef Shaw has once again been one of our supporters and has the best tacos in town. So <laughs> come listen awesome. to entertainment. Come see people. Come see the artists. We have a paint by numbers mural on the side of Muffler Man tonight. It's just more about getting and activating the community. Come play the game. see what we have to offer for the next long while not just through our prize but for the rest of the year
1: well we'll put a link in the show notes to all of that stuff so people can get a hold of that information reach out to you hannah berry from lions and rabbits thanks so much for being with us today
3: thank you so much for having me
1: now all right we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to be talking about drill bits and trying to cut through some of the confusion that does exist out there that's all just ahead stick around
0: If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost. On news radio, Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM.
1: Well, Haley, the other day I went shopping for drill bits, which is quite a fun experience. You know, it's big time when you get to get all dressed up to go shopping for drill bits, right? Everybody gets excited about that.
2: Yeah, I, nobody. I dress up.
1: Nobody gets excited <laughs> about that. But anyway, what was funny is I walked into the store to get them, and I was just thinking, I'm going to find, you know, a small section with a few drill bits, and and I'll pick what I need, and I'll go home. Well, yes, it turns out I find deal. an enormous 16 foot section in the store. You know, maybe eight foot high, mm-hmm. full of different drill bits.
2: Yeah, it's a little overwhelming. A it, wall of something is so small and they all look basically the same. Well, it <laughs> reminded
1: me at that moment, I thought, this is what people feel like in our stores, you know, our Rep Collider Port City mm-hmm. Paint store, when you get the brush aisle. Totally.
2: Right? Yeah. It's all one thing. Brushes. What is the difference? Why
1: do we have 17,000 different ones? What yeah. do they all do? Anyway, that's what I, was, I thought for a split second with these drill bits. But once I kind of collected my bearings and I started looking at the packaging, the packaging is brilliant on these. Oh, yeah. Where it's telling me exactly where they would be used.
2: Exactly. They've got the little icon pictures and it shows you wood or metal or glass. Mm-hmm. I mean, they make it very easy to read, which... I mean, good on them.
1: Yeah, definitely. And if you're new to DIY projects or something like that, and you're unfamiliar with drill bits, or Mm -hmm. if you've got that drawer at home, you know, with the little tin full of different (laughs) kinds, and you're always guessing when you're working on a project, head to one of these stores and five minutes in the aisle, looking at the packaging, studying the drill bits in the packaging, it it becomes very clear what they get used for and where and why and all of those things. And I found maybe three or four very unusual ones that dad had given me a long time ago, that I finally understood exactly that's
2: their That's what that's purpose. for. Yeah. Right,
1: so it's kind of cool. But anyway, as it all started to come together, one thing was still a little confusing, and it was the fact that the, each one of these different types that you could buy – came in multiple colors.
2: Right, let's say. yeah. There's like the gold finished ones, the like brighter silvery looking ones the black. black. Ones.
1: There's kind of a a, a bluish purpley. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of different colors that you can choose from.
2: Yeah, that part's a little more confusing because they don't necessarily have a picture for that. <laughs> no,
1: but they do tell you what it is. The packaging will say these gold ones are titanium, which sounds really exciting. But, but what does that mean? And then though? there's black oxide. And and that sounds less exciting, but those look super cool. Got yeah. That matte they black do. look. Yeah. I like the gold ones okay, personally. You though. like the gold ones. Yeah. I like the matte black. But why are we picking these things? You know, the prices vary depending on what you're looking at. So I'm assuming the quality varies. Right. But I wasn't dead sure what each one of these was gonna give me, you know, performance-wise on a project. Absolutely. So I thought let's dig into that. And let's start with bright finish or bright, or sometimes they're just not labeled at all. They're just the standard shiny silver drill bits.
2: Well, bright finish is a little deceiving because it's not really a finish. It's just polished essentially. Right.
1: And that—that that is what's interesting about all of this is that most of these terms, the titanium and all of that, is actually referencing not the material that the drill bit is made out of so much so as the protective coating that's put on top of it. Yeah, it's kind of like paint. Yeah, it's a little bit, little bit deceptive. So these bright finish ones, as Haley just said, actually have no finish. Right. So that's doubly <laughs> deceptive. They're just polished and they do that so they've got improved performance it makes them generally the most basic option the most inexpensive option
2: yeah they're gonna break down the fastest they're They're gonna gonna
1: dull dull quicker than any of the other ones they work well in wood low carbon steel aluminum things like that you know average use yeah but they will dull quicker bright finish all right the next one up is the black oxide and like we said at first the idea is that this is a different material Mm -hmm. no it's the same high speed steel that the Cheaper ones are made out of,
2: but these ones are finished in that they're getting dipped, they're basically. Dipped yeah, in an
1: alkaline solution,
2: and it's kind of like heat treatment. And I mean, they get up to two hundred and eighty-five degrees. Two hundred
1: eighty-five degrees, and what that does is it converts that outer layer to magnetite, which gives it its magnetite. black. Magnetite. Yeah, I know, isn't that fun?
2: Yeah, it really it reminds me of like a superhero.
1: A superhero name, the kind of costume he wears.
2: Yeah, he wears magnetite. I'm wearing my
1: magnetite costume. <laughs> Doesn't breathe, but you know. Looks good. It's very sculpting.
2: Yeah, and those drill bits do look the coolest. Probably. Yeah, yeah. We
1: should get back to the drill bits. Yeah. So yes, they've got that black look, and what that does—not just appearance things. Yeah. See, those of us but, were like, shallow. practical things. Yeah, let's get to the <laughs> practical value of having that black oxide on there, and what it does is it basically makes them corrosion resistant, or at yeah. least more so. And they generate way less friction when they're used. And that means improved chip flow and faster drilling than those standard bright ones.
2: And they'd probably work better for ferrous metals and things like that, right? Because there's less heat that's being generated from that friction. And they're
1: harder. They're just a little bit harder. They're going to also, though, work well in softwood and hardwood. And because of that, and because they're inexpensive on the grand scale of things, and Mm -hmm. because they're widely available and easy to find... These are largely what we'd recommend for DIY projects.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're going to have twice the life, and you're not going to pay twice the price for these. So I think you're definitely getting your money's worth.
1: Yeah. Now, the titanium drill bits. And first things first, like we said earlier, they're not made of titanium, which is a bit of a letdown.
2: Well, it also, I mean, that clears something up, too, because they look good gold or brass when Mm -hmm. you see them in the aisle. And I've always been confused about why they're called titanium. Like, is that inside of it? I don't understand where that even plays.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you because I am now well-informed. Yes. So the reason it's that way is because these are still that same material, that high-speed steel Mm -hmm. as all the other ones. And now it's dipped in titanium nitride, which is basically a really heavy-duty ceramic coating. Now, there's a number of different versions of this one yeah there's titanium nitride which are the bright gold ones that we generally will see a little less common are going to be the titanium carbonitride and the titanium aluminum nitride and okay. both of those get better and better as you go more expensive different uses we're not going to cover those because it just gets too confusing Those are like
2: the purpley ones yes
1: the purpley ones okay. are the carbonitride ones the aluminum nitride are a grayer and they're just made for heavier duty applications but we're going to focus on the titanium nitride cuz they're the gold ones that you generally will see yes, when you're shopping and what it's doing is it's like i said it's coated with that ceramic coating that mm-hmm. really high-end heavy-duty incredibly hard ceramic coating and that helps them drill faster be more corrosion resistant. They usually last way longer, sometimes five to six times longer than a black oxide or the bright finish drill bits.
2: And these are even better for metal than the black oxide.
1: Right. They can be used on everything the black oxide can be used on, plus things like cast iron and heavier duty materials like that. And like we said, they're five to six times longer lasting with the sharpness of that blade, you know, on the on the bit itself. They're more expensive.
2: I mean, this seems like a contractor grade Item, and and right? that's
1: generally where they're used. If, yeah. if you do a lot of drilling with the heavier materials that you're working you know, with and cutting through, these are probably worth the money. But let's move on to the last one, which is cobalt. And this time, it's not a coating that we're talking about. It's basically made of that same high speed steel alloy. But now there's anywhere from 5%, maybe lower to 8% cobalt actually mixed in. So the cobalt is within the drill bit. It's actually just a part of it. Yeah, it's like and melted
2: down with the metal.
1: Exactly. So what you get from those is they're really, really great edges. You can sharpen them all day long, and you're not going to degrade the quality of the material, whereas if you sharpen any of the ones that have a coating, right. you'll remove that coating, yeah. and eventually you're dealing with just you know a standard high-speed steel material that on that edge, that blade. So because of that, because of the nature of them and the heavy-duty use that they get. They're more expensive. They will work for wood and things like that, but they're really, really, really cut out for hard alloy steels, tool steels, spring steels, things like that. Aluminum alloys, all of those materials. That's the cobalt. That's why you would want it. Okay, So we've got all of that. We'll put a link in the show notes so you can check out more. But in the end, let's simplify it. Which one should you use for your projects? Well, if you primarily drill wood, you can get by with those bright, high-speed steel ones. Yeah, those are the
2: most basic, least expensive.
1: But I'd kind of recommend you go to the black oxide. You'll get a better bit. It's not much more expensive than the other one. And it lasts 50% longer. longer. So great way to go if you're primarily doing wood. If you primarily drill metal, the titanium or the cobalt. Are well suited. Titanium is great for low carbon steels, cast iron, copper, bronze. Cobalt is great for hard tool steels, aluminum alloys, and all of those things. Concrete? Well, we just didn't really get, get into concrete. Just get a masonry bit and make sure it's got a carbide tip. We didn't. Have we'll time get into to carbide next time. We'll do that on a well, not next time. Uh, a, we don't want to throw that right out there yeah sometime in the future future, episode we'll spring it on you (laughs) and surprise you right now we're going to take a break and when we come back we're going to be talking the history of trim with haley it's It's very exciting It, it is actually you're not being sarcastic no very fun that's coming up next stick around
0: if you want to take your diy skills up a rung the repco light home improvement show is here to give you a boost on News Radio, Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. All
1: right, Haley, we're back. And last week, we talked about different colors on trim. Mm-hmm. You know, putting different colors on Other than, than white. The standard white, right. We went through all the reasons, or some of the reasons why that might be. Appealing. A cool, trendy thing. Yeah. And we wanted to follow that up because there was so much in that segment that we didn't have time to get to. You know, we wanted to make some recommendations and things like that.
2: Some different combinations that are popular right now. Even
1: down to talking about the paint to use. Right. So we intended to do that today. But...
2: (laughs) We're still not going to get to it. Right.
1: Because you found an article that goes through the history... Of trim in homes. Yeah. And it is absolutely brilliant. And a lot of stuff I never would have thought about.
2: No, same. I was really surprised by this article and I, it makes me feel a lot better.
1: <laughs> Which you'll explain Ultimately, later, I'm yes. sure.
2: Um, but no, normally when we think of old homes, we think of wood, trim, a lot of it.
1: Like stained unpainted. and varnished. Right, exactly.
2: Natural wood. You know the home has been taken care of if it still has its original woodwork.
1: Right. Right? Definitely. That's that's our mindset mm-hmm. anyway, as we look through houses.
2: Especially, you know, when we're in a Victorian or a craftsman, people are always looking at the woodwork. And if it's painted, people say, oh, that's too bad. They painted it.
1: But maybe you can strip it. Or yeah, maybe exactly. Or you can do all these things and get it back to what mm-hmm. it should have been. Right. There's know. a lot
2: of anxiety around having a historic home because I don't want to go against what, I don't know, like the well, historic...
1: Sure, that makes sense. I mean, when we talk to people in the store, when we've been at home shows or things like that, and we talk about painting trims, painting cabinets, man, I couldn't give a percentage to it, but a lot of times the couple who's talking about the project is split, like completely split on wanting to paint it, Mm -hmm. and then the other person is adamantly against it. Like it's blasphemy.
2: Exactly. Like it's the worst thing that you could do to wood is to paint it. But it turns out, and this is the surprising part, is that during the 1700s and well into the 1830s, it was the most popular thing to do, was to paint the woodwork. Everywhere. Everywhere. And in fact, they went as far, and this blows my mind, they went as far as doing faux finishes on woodwork.
3: Right. Like, Marvelizing faux it.
2: graining. I mean, they and were making wood grain on wood. Was it
1: because they were using <laughs> cheaper wood that they the I think that was the... part
2: of it, but it was also just really in trend because the article I read multiple it said it was just as popular in really wealthy homes to do this faux finishing as you know, lower class homes where they were doing it themselves maybe, but
1: yeah, think about that. I
2: don't get it.
1: I, I can. I, I, I don't know about the aesthetic, but I understand marbleizing the woodwork. Sure. Make it look like marble. It's yeah. a different thing. But yes, I was reading that same article, and when I came across the wood graining it.
2: Exactly. Why are you painting wood to look like wood?
1: (laughs) It is strange, but that was the popular look. That was the big thing. Up until when did you say the 1830s? Yeah, it kind of
2: went out of style a little bit. I mean, it was still it was popular for a really long time. But in the 1830s, designers had decided there was three kind of gradations of color in a room. So they decided at this point that ceilings should be the lightest color, the wall should be a mid-tone, and the trim should be the
1: darkest color. I know. I ran into that. The darkest color goes on the Mm -hmm. trim. So totally opposite of what we've been doing. Exactly. And what we would generally think of Mm -hmm. for back then.
2: Yeah, really surprising. And then it wasn't until the 1850s that designers actually started liking the idea of bare wood. And it was just the designers at that point. They were pushing it. Homeowners were still like, "Eh, no, I'll faux grain it."
1: Right. <laughs> I don't want that natural. No, grain. I want I'm the fake just stuff. Fake it.
2: Yeah, I Absolutely wonder backwards. if it was just like the, the, like, the work of it? of it, like or
1: the skill involved. Yeah, the skill. I don't know. Who knows? Wow, well, your wood trim looks almost real. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're skilled at this.
2: But then in the eighteen. 18- 70s and into the 1890s that was when like the height of the Victorian style was in. Okay. So the Queen Anne homes, you know, with the amazing crazy trim work and molding that they had, you know, where we've got frames inside of frames inside of frames. Right. And I mean at this point it almost looked like wallpaper on the wainscoting, it got so detailed.
1: With with the the wood, the woodwork itself yeah, exactly. was so detailed; it looked like that. What what was the color on that? Was it color? Was it natural wood? What was that?
2: So, natural wood at this point started to become popular
1: mm-hmm. amongst the people. People, the yes. hoi polloi, the general yes. populace, not just the designers.
2: Exactly. Okay. Still, people were painting wood um, in the upstairs mm-hmm. because at this point, you know, they were spending all this time doing this amazing woodwork. They were using nice wood in the parlor or like the living room, the dining room with this nice woodwork. It was nice wood they were using, but then upstairs they would kind of cheap out a little bit, save some money, use poplar sure. or something. And so that was still painted. And they would not white was still out of the question.
1: Really? So yeah. okay, so I've got this straight. In the nicer areas, you know, the the parlors and mm-hmm. the the main living spaces were starting to use higher end woods. Yes. I remember reading like American woods, right? Yes. That was a big thing.
2: Yep. And, and staining so, them dark.
1: Okay, so they're staining those dark, but upstairs they're still use, they're using cheaper woods to save some money. Yep. But painting that still. Painting them and in white, dark colors. Dark colors. And if I remember right, is this or am I jumping ahead? Is this when the 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 dark colors were like hideous colors?
2: Well. Hideous to some, but some of them honestly are very similar to the colors that are becoming popular oh, right now for trim. Sure. So, so potentially I've
1: offended people. Potentially. Okay, but let's see if I'm right though. Maybe I'm <laughs> thinking of the wrong thing. So black, I can live with that. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. Go with another one. Go Maroon. Ahead. See, that one's gross.
2: Yeah. And Unless that one's not it. as popular right now.
1: Right. If you've got it, I, it's, lo- I mean, man. Yeah, lovely. If I could figure out a place to put them in, <laughs> I would. I really would. I'm not just saying that so I get out of trouble on the radio.
2: <sighs> the other ones, though, are like dark blue and gray greens. And those ones, like the black, are very in style right now.
1: Well, wait a minute. There was another one that I saw that I was going to ask you about. Oh, now I can't find it. It was like a, whoa, it was a weird combination green. Oh, do you yeah, they,
2: I think they put orange in oh, no, front orange of... Oh, orange-green, yes. Yeah.
1: What in the world is an orange-green?
2: Well, I think they just mean it was like dulled. So orange is close to red on the color wheel. Right. Red is the opposite of green, so right. if you add red into green... It browns green, out. Exactly. So I think the orange would gray it out a little bit. Okay.
1: Um, well, that so that's why I said gray-green. Utterly hideous. So that's... <laughs> unless you've got that, it could be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so when did we get to... Something that, an aesthetic that I would like. Which period should I live in?
2: Right now, you know, in the height of the Victorian, it's very overwhelming, very dramatic. There's a lot of pattern and color going on. And the trim downstairs was like one of the few places that there was a break for the eye because it wasn't anything crazy. It was just the stained dark wood tones. And then in the 1890s, there's a huge
1: backlash. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, people are done with amazing woodwork and crazy colors all right done with it so they're simplifying everything (laughs) exactly yeah at this point they're really just trying to scale back simplify they're getting into clean lines and that's when you know craftsmen or like the arts and crafts style is really coming into play along with the colonial homes and all of that i mean it's really more of the straight you know clean lines that you see
1: color is colors white at this point or are we still talking colors
2: no, because now it's kind of the same trend on the main floor, like in the Victorian okay, okay, era. So
1: that's stained and varnished.
2: Exactly. Still, the dark wood is really popular in those nicer formal areas, but, but it's now. It's
1: detailed. There's not all no, kinds of yeah. work going on with that. Exactly. It's just nice, smooth lines. And there's a, quote,
2: there's a quote about that. Someone said there's no poetry in dusting.
1: Right, with yeah. all the little <laughs> carved areas. Yeah. I can see that,
2: (laughs) which I really thought was funny. But yeah, so they're simplifying the woodwork. They're still keeping it the stained dark wood on the main floor, but upstairs, this is where the big thing is changing. Now the thing to do is glossy white.
1: All right, why the glossy? Is it the cleaning thing?
2: Yep, they yeah exactly that clean
1: like a dream.
2: They really just wanted to get rid of the dust Uh and have really clean spaces.
1: So gloss white. When did we get to? You know, what we see now,
2: I think white just kind of was the thing to do in those rooms, like upstairs, the bathroom, the kitchen, all of those trim colors were white at that point. And then over time, I'm sure wood was nicked. It wasn't well taken care of. The trends turned again. And now that white trim that was upstairs becomes so appealing because it is clean and fresh. Mm -hmm. And we got even more into that in design, I think. We scaled back the amount of woodwork even in homes. So yeah, now we start putting white on trim. But it really takes a lot of anxiety away from me, knowing that some of this trim
1: in your new house in my
2: new house was meant to be painted.
1: Right. You were concerned because you were you were a little bummed that it was painted because you thought maybe if you don't get it back to its original, you're kind of letting the house down.
2: Yeah. Like in the bedrooms, in the bathroom, Jordan was like, well, shouldn't we strip that? And I didn't really want to because I liked the way that it looked. I liked the, the stained wood in the living room and dining room, but in those rooms, I thought the white looked good. And in fact, I wanted to paint the wood in the kitchen white. And I felt like, I was doing something wrong by wanting that. But actually, now I'm finding out that's more historically accurate.
1: Well, look at that. I yeah. guess the bottom line of all of this is do what you want. Because yeah. Because things have been all over the place. Seriously. <laughs> Who knows where it's going? <laughs> find what you like and live with it. Anyway, that's all the time we've got. We're going to wrap it up. If you want to catch this one again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. Whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. The repcolite and Port City paint stores are open until 3. Wait to help. I'm Dan Hanson. And I'm Haley
2: Johnson. Thanks for listening i me